I'm Steph and I'm absolutely obsessed with pole dancing. In 2019, I hung up my corporate stilettos for a pair of pleasers and my very own pole studio. I'm now on a journey to have open and thought-provoking conversations uncovering all things pole dancing. Welcome back to Uncovered. I'm really excited today to be joined by Jasmine, who is the Managing Director and Founder of The Pole Room. Welcome to Uncovered. Yay. Thank you so much for having me, Steph. I'm so excited. I'm so excited too. When you reached out to join me on this topic, I was really, really excited because I think we can both add so much value. So today we are going to uncover the real behind the scenes of operating a pole dancing studio. Through going through the instructor pay um, deep dive that I did, a lot came up around this and I really want Mm. to shed honest behind the scenes with listeners because I personally know before I brought my studio, I did not realise this was what it was like to run a studio while I love my (laughs) job. It was not what I expected. So I think this is going to be really, really good for a lot of people. I think we just start with basics. What made you decide to start a pole business? Great question. So I started pole in 2009, January 2009. I just finished high school and I was looking for that something that was going to make me feel good. I had a lot of self-esteem issues growing up and struggled with weight. And I I guess it was a matter of opposites attract, you know, like it was exactly the sort of thing that scared the absolute crap out of me. But at the same time, I knew it's what I needed. So I found found, uh, my bravery and I enrolled in my first pole class. And uh, Cleo, the hurricane, was actually one of my first pole teachers. And she <laughs> she was the first person that I witnessed being so full of confidence. Um, and it blew my mind away to see a woman get up there near naked and strut around this pole in um, with so much energy and life. And I was hooked. I wanted whatever she had. I was like, give me some of that. How do I get that? Because I'm here in my basketball shorts and my long baggy t-shirt and I don't like my body, but she is wanting what she has with so much sass. So I was hooked. Um, And the story goes from there. I started uh, teaching at my local pole studio. um, And from there, I knew that this was it. I couldn't imagine doing anything else. So in 2015, an opportunity came up. I was I was teaching at a few pole dance studios on the side. Um, I still loved it dearly, um, and I was I've been wanting to open a studio for years. It had been it, it had been quite the journey. I'd actually fallen off a pole and had a really horrific injury. Sorry to scare everyone. <laughs> I was being really silly, um, but I continued to to have this vision in my mind of one day having my own studio. And so 2015 rolled around six years after I had started pole and this gorgeous little space on top of a gym, it was tiny, became available because I wasn't ready to sign a lease. Um, you know how big and scary those things are. And to be honest, I don't think anyone would have allowed me to take a lease on anyways. But um, I, I started out by just renting a space above a gym and I just had my eight poles in there and it was small and perfect in every single way and that's how the pole room started. That's amazing Um, and I think it's so great that you started off small but also you don't have any experience 
in business, do you? I don't have any business experience, no, um, apart from um, the very limited amount of knowledge you learn in high school, I don't have any business degree uh, or any family history in business. So this was very much a case of just diving in and figuring out as I go. (laughs) As we all do with business, I think um, even those who do potentially have that experience feel very much the same. It's, you just don't know, even with what you learn in school, you just don't know how these things are actually going to play out in a real life situation. So once you started the studio, you've obviously grown your studio very much and your brand. So how many studios do you currently have? At the moment, I have four. So three are company owned and one is a franchise. Ah, so not only do do we own studios, you're also franchise. So you've got a little bit of everything and some of those studios you went in and purchased after founding The Pole Room. That's correct. So I had one company studio that started in Ringwood and we then moved that to Kilsyth. This is all in Victoria. So we then moved to uh, Kilsyth, which is a suburb in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. And after that, we had an opportunity in 2017 to purchase Pulp Princess, which was a studio that was quite large in Victoria. So we took over three of their locations and one of those turned into a franchise. Wow. That's impressive. Well done. Thank you. It was a wild ride and it continues to be. And it was certainly one of those things where we were like, how hard can it be? Ha, ha, ha. Turns out quite hard. But <laughs> oh, I, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm in a very similar situation. I'm like, oh, how hard can right. it be running a studio? And then three months later, COVID happened. I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> it gets real hard. For you. Oh, yeah, wow, I was so yeah. I brought it in December and obviously we got shut down in the March. Yeah, That's rough. Yeah, it was, uh, thank God for my support system. Uh, it was yeah. a hard time. I was actually talking about this in therapy recently and we were talking about how businesses who have been through COVID, even though it's only been a three-year period, feels like it's been a decade. So he was trying to tell me oh, how much yeah. extra business experience I have because of COVID. And mm-hmm. I'm like... Yeah, but still wish I didn't have to go through it. But on that note of challenging things, like, I'm not challenging things, but surprising things. What is the most surprising thing you found when you transitioned from being an instructor to a studio owner? So the most surprising thing to me was how much HR was actually involved. I thought that I would spend most of my time creating routines, training, teaching classes, doing trick research. However, I actually spent and still currently do spend most of my time managing people, whether it be my staff or students. So, you know, hiring staff, onboarding staff, dealing with any employment issues, dealing with any issues with our students. It's just wild communication as well within staff. So making sure that I'm communicating the right content to them, making sure that training is accessible to them. It's HR central. That was, yeah. Yeah. It's... I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> Have you found the same? Yeah. So when I wrote down, because I, as I was going through these questions, I wrote, I was writing my own notes and I'm like, all the things. <laughs> I'm just like, I just didn't yeah. quite expect it. And yet the people side, I dropped off so much teaching to start. And I mean, like I mentioned before, COVID mm. didn't 
help my situation. But I barely taught when I started and I just couldn't. I actually had anxiety being away from my computer because I was so scared of what was going to pop up in that time. And really, Mm. I've now learned that most things can wait um, and it's Mm -hmm. okay. But yeah, the people side of things, whether that be community members, students or Mm -hmm. staff, like managing all of that on top Mm. of everything else that you have to do, such as like marketing and bookkeeping. And I think bookkeeping I hate the most, bookkeeping and emails are my least favourite items everything else I can kind of get around to and I mean I came from a workplace in quite a toxic environment so I'm like yeah I know like Mm. the rights and wrongs but it is so much different when it's you so much different yes and the buck stops with you and we were talking about this off air before we came on and just not having that accountability you can kind of get away with what you want as long as you're not doing anything illegal and just the amount of work because I was very similar to you in thinking I'd be able to like be a better pole dancer through this process and I'd be able to do this research and spend my days in the studio and I spend most of my time working from home where possible because I have little distractions and lots to do so I'm just able Mm. to get things done and I'm fortunate now that I have a good team to support me but it takes time to build those things out and get the right people in the right places. It, it really does. It does take time. And I think as a entrepreneur, you have this idyllic vision of you being able to do all the things you love, which is the reason why you started your business. You know, in this case, it is pole dancing and being able to train as much as you want. And then you have the, the cruel, cruel reality <laughs> that um, you are now the person responsible for turning the cog, you know, for turning the wheels. And that there is a lot involved in that. Whereas before you just got to reap all the benefits when you came as a student or you were just a teacher. And um, certainly another thing that shocked me was that there was no on or off button, you know, like when you work for somebody else, when you clock off, you clock off because you're no longer being paid. But now if a student is having trouble booking and it's 10 p.m., it's my issue. If it's a Sunday morning and one of our direct debits has accidentally rolled and a student now longer now was Um, was overcharged and doesn't have money in their account that is my issue you know it doesn't matter if I have a family breakfast planned and my 18 month was screaming I have to sort it out right then and there and so that reality was was just something I never expected because you don't have to go through it until you're a business owner where there is no on and off button and even though you can get your team around you to support you there are going to be certain times that your staff are off and that the buck stops with you and that's just something that you have to create a lot of resilience and a lot of strength and a lot of mental strength I found to be able to deal with those things um, because, yeah, the, the, on, the off button doesn't exist. It doesn't. <laughs> you and, have your own business. And <laughs> even when you try to put those boundaries in place to be like, cool, this is why it works, it still doesn't matter if, you know, your security company calls you and says your alarms are going off mm. and you're out, you know, having a long lunch you kind of have to deal with that situation <laughs> in whatever way. And I know the first yeah. couple of years um, over Christmas, I just worked the entire time and I had family mm. telling me, no, you, you need to stop, you need to have a break. I'm like, but I can't have a break. I've just brought the studio or we've decided to do renovations or something mm. else has happened. So I'm like, I have to pick my breaks at other times. But even when I go on holidays, 
I'm still checking my emails Ooh. at least once a day. I'm still paying the wages because that's the job I do. Um, and Ooh. it doesn't quite stop. However, like we say all this, but it is such a rewarding position to be in. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, if you had to do anything where you couldn't switch off, I'm, I'm glad it's this. I really am. And I think that's also the sweet spot when you work for yourself is that as long as it is something that you love, then you can get over the fact that it's happening, you know, on a Sunday evening or that you, you're out to lunch. You can get over that because you're like, well, you know what, at least it's not a boss breathing down the back of my neck. It could be a lot worse <laughs> than it actually is right now. It's and one pretty... Of- wonderful yes and one of the things that I learned really quickly was surrounding myself with the right people so the people who if I am out and something goes Mm. on it's not judgment it's understanding why I might not Mm. be fully present in that particular moment they respect and understand the position of which I'm in and that took me a lot to learn Mm. and I think I'm still trying to figure that out now uh, because I've only been in business for it'll be three years in next month yeah oh my god three years next month congrats thanks thanks what a wild three years um but oh yes (laughs) but yeah like it's taken me a long time to figure out that and obviously Mm. support at home is huge and I'm like I know you're in business with your partner aren't you I am and I should mention that my partner Andy actually we're getting married in a few months I'm soon to be husband oh my gosh but we married each other when we went into business together I feel (laughs) because it's uh it's hard to even separate when you're in business because there's a lot of documents that need to be (laughs) redone again so we're like well we're married now but this um, is but practically our marriage. A, this is practically our marriage, yes. <laughs> he has an MBA. So he has done a master's in business and sports management. So he does bring a lot of that knowledge to our partnership. However, he has told me time and time again that nothing on, you know, nothing in his eight plus years of study prepared him for actually running a business because it's all well and good to have these projections and these 12-month plans and these 10-year plans, but then no one teaches you what to do when you go into lockdown for two years, you know. Yes. So it, we've all had that curveball and there's been, you know, then there's other curveballs like we've got, you know, our neighbours are going to council because they're complaining about the noise and you're like, where, where's the, how do I deal with this in my, in my uni transcript? Oh, we didn't learn that. Okay. I have to make that up. <laughs> I have to figure that one out. And I mean, yeah, both yeah. Ross, and, Ross and I have MBAs and there's still time. Oh, great. Yeah. We're both, um, he is the reason I went back and did mine because I didn't have a uni degree. And when I was in the corporate Ooh. world, I was often challenged about my degree um and I was told that if I wanted to move up the ladder and be successful I would need a university degree which was very frustrating and I sat there for ages trying to figure out how the hell do I be successful in the corporate space and grow um and I had a friend who was a pole dancer and I sat down with her and we were talking about it. And she's like, Steph, you can go back and do a postgrad. You've got enough experience to do so. I'm like, oh, interesting. And Ross was studying his MBA at the time. So I, research- I looked into that and, yeah, 
then all of a sudden three years later I have an MBA so all while buying a business so it all happened at the same time Um, crazy superstar (laughs) uh, it was a lot but we both have MBAs so Mm. when we went through lockdown I was still studying Mm. mine he had finished his but you still don't know mm. what to do. Like we knew we had to move fast and that was the one thing mm. and that was probably the biggest skill we had was just being able to read the environment and yeah. go, okay, something's coming. Let's just prepare. Even if we put all this work in for nothing, let's just prepare. But outside yeah. of that, yeah, there's not a lot that – oh, there is. Like I, I mean, I got asked recently by a friend in the US if I feel that my MBA has helped me in business. And I think – the biggest thing I got out of an MBA was the confidence to buy my business because I felt that I had that, and I'm using air quotes here, the knowledge to be able to run a business. But really, mm. I think it wasn't the knowledge, it was just the drive. Like having that drive, having that passion has been able to right. land me where I am. Um, but I'm actually thinking right. about next year going back and doing a couple of the subjects to see what it looks like now that I have a few years up my belt. Um, and how oh, I can take those, idea. yeah, take those learnings and implement them again. Because some of those subjects I did when I, you know, was in corporate world and this lens didn't exist. So I'm really interested to see what that's like now. So, but coming all the way back to that, you do not need a business degree to run a business either. Not at all. It just comes down not to Not at all. Lesson. I think you just need a willingness to learn because you will have multiple learning curves and I think that you are completely open to learning from you know learning on the go learning on the fly but also learning from other people potentially picking up um, some study like yourself I think as long as there's a willingness to learn and a very deep drive and a connected um, a connection to your reason why um, then I feel that you have what it takes to run a business. 100% and on top of that like that problem solving ability of going cool and I think that comes down to that willingness to learn like when you're presented with a problem and you know you might start off Mm. in Google and you're able to just like reframe and reframe and reframe until you can figure out exactly what your problem is and how then to best help solve it Um, so I definitely think that's another great skill but coming back what do you feel like has been the most rewarding part of being a studio owner? Oh, this one, um, gosh, there are, there are so many different things, but one of the things that I love to see are the deep friendships that are formed within the studios that I've created. So seeing my students go on holidays together, seeing my students go and um, visit each other's families for Christmas, you know, those deep connections that last for years and years, I know, look after each other's children because they've met at your studio. For me, that gives me so much drive to continue what we do. Um, But another one for me has been seeing my staff succeed in their own careers. So seeing Bianca, who's our franchisee, now live the life of her dreams and be able to only work when she wants to work and be able to have this thing that she's now built up work for her. That has been our, that has been so rewarding and so fulfilling that I want to do more of that now is to see, yeah, see other people basically have what what I have 
And yeah. that's that ability to do what you love every day and to earn an income without having to answer to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely the friendships form, the long-standing relationships and um, the career development of our staff, even our staff that work in head office, seeing them thrive and love what they do is um, it's mind-blowing to go, holy crap, this only existed because I started this, you know, all those years ago. That it, it's it's wild. I'm I'm so thankful for it. Yeah, I love that. And when you, I know we have our videos off, but when you said the um, student friendships, like my face lit up because, yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't even one I wrote down when I was thinking about this episode. But yeah, watching people go through these journeys. We recently had five girls all go get matching tattoos. yeah like how amazing is that that they are like they've formed these like really deep bonds that they're happy to go get matching tattoos and we when we have our little group meeting which is um me and the two people that work full-time in the business we do positives we start with positives that we've seen in the community Mm -hmm. in our own journeys um and that came up for most of us as a positive of like those five girls going on that journey together but I also know I've been overseas with girls that I met um, through Paul and we've been on trips together um, and they've become some of my closest friends and we did we weren't even in classes really to start off with we were just invited to the same activities and then when you're invited them get to know each other and then one thing leads to another and you book plane tickets to Vegas for Paul Expo <laughs> and um, yeah. Yeah, I think the friendships is definitely that unsurprising factor. And I know I've used that in my marketing before, like creating friendships since 2013 mm. because it's such a it's such a surprising benefit that you get from Paul. I don't think too many people come in going, I'm here to make some new friends. But they walk out. No, you're right, yeah. Feeling, but they walk out of it. Yeah. yeah. I remember when I – the after poll, the next thing I'd started was CrossFit and I, my mm-hmm. husband was doing it. So I'm like, oh, look, I'll come give the class a go. And in my first class, I'm doing the warm-up and I'm looking around the room and my thought was, I wonder which one of these people are going to be my new friends. I would not have had that thought if it wasn't for Paul and having the experience right. I'd had at Paul. So I agree. I The friendships in the community is so amazing. And watching that transformation, that confidence journey, I think. Oh, like yeah. the trick journey is great. It's awesome that you're nailing those tricks. But seeing people come in and going, oh, like I have really bad anxiety I don't know if I can take a class and then watching them grow and watching them build that confidence in your space is yeah pretty amazing and I love that as an instructor and I think that was the Mm -hmm. reason that I obviously jumped at the opportunity when my studio came up for sale to be like yes let's do it so yeah definitely my why is the confidence element I think because that's what Paul did for me and I would not be – I don't – I probably would have found myself there, but right now the way my history writes is I would not be the person I am without Paul. Mm-hmm. So I want other people to have that Isn't experience. That true? Yeah. yeah. It's crazy how that. you dive I, in. You do. You really do. And I actually visited this um, exact point that you made uh, recently. I did some reflecting and – 
went deep into, you know, why did I start my own pole studio? Why does the pole room exist? This is something that we did with our um, head office team. And we realised that the pole room exists to change lives. And why do we know it changes lives? Because it changed mine. It changed ours. And you can't help, you can't help but want to pass that on. You can't help but yes. want to shout it from the top of the mountains you know everyone come to pole it's amazing it's gonna change your life yeah and i think that's what it feels to be truly uh, alive you know to find that thing that makes you so freaking happy and excited and it's only natural that you want to pass that on but i have to agree with you on the on the community as well we're very similar where we find most of our students will come to us because they want to gain confidence they want to gain strength they want to try something different they want to be proud of themselves whatever the reason is the secondary outcome is always community and it's one that they don't necessarily expect but it's what they fall in it's why they fall in love with it is that almost that sisterhood that that group of people especially because we live such isolated lives mm. um that when you come to a space like pole where it's not a gym you're actually accounted for and people miss you if you're not in class people notice your you know your yes. presence not being there and they they realize that that sense of community is so special and when you have a community that builds um, as well as it does at Pole, you see its members achieve. And so we've learned this over the years that if we actually just focus on community, everything else, you know, the success of our students happens second to that. Um, because the community keeps them coming back. Like we'll get our students come in even when they're injured even if they're not feeling like polling they'll just come in to hang out yes. because they want to be around those in their classes they want to say hi and stop by after work you know we've got people that will pick up their their, their, their puppy you know and then they'll come in and show everyone their puppy because that's <laughs> what you do in your community you know like that's why I love what we do because you wouldn't do that at a gym. You no. wouldn't go pick up your new dog and go, hey, everyone at the gym, here's my dog because no one would actually care. They'd be like, what are you doing? But here you've got a group of people that are like, yes, share more with us. This is amazing. Hang out. Yes. And that's what I love because I really think that that's what is so important in a, in a day and age where um, we tend to be a little bit more isolated than we used to be um, to create spaces for people where yes they're you know they're building confidence but yes they have that community and you're right that is such a such a fulfilling thing to do but I also get so much out of that because it's my community and I mm. couldn't imagine anything I couldn't imagine not having it um, I go there to feel like I belong to remind myself of the people that care for me and love me and it truly is what like just nourishes you is being around um your community so yeah I have to agree with that but oh, 100%. It, it there were so many yeah. moments there that I'm just like yes Yes. 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 <laughs> it's like, just like it's feeding my heart right now. And I agree yeah. with the community thing and just having to be in and around it. Do you ever just pinch yourself and go, holy shit, like this is me. How did I get here? Like, do you ever All just. All the time. Yeah. But you have those moments and people come up to you in the studio and they share something and they're like, this is because of you or this is because of the space mm -hmm. you've created or the space that you facilitate. And you're just like, 
how the hell did I end up here? I'm not mad about it. I'm, you know, even with all those hard days, these are the things that make you go, yes, this is why I do what I do because it is hard work and it is a lot of work to run these types of businesses that are especially community Mm. focused because our communities are so unique. They're so diverse. Mm -hmm. There's so many personalities. So it's tailoring to this bunch of mm-hmm. different people who are from all walks of life but still creating mm-hmm. that student experience where they can come in, they can feel connected, they can feel seen, they can get their workout, but their workout's mm-hmm. actually third or fourth down the list. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily that number one reason. And I think, mm-hmm. yeah, people just don't understand that. When they come in, they're like, so what brings you in for your free trial? We run free trials and they're like, I just want to get fit. And I'm like, all right, you're going to find so yeah. many more things here, and but you're going to love it. So, yeah, it is a very much a pinch me moment for sure. It is a pinch me moment, yeah. And I was speaking to this, speaking about this just before we started the podcast about you were mentioning, you know, you were um, talking about moments of gratitude and, and, and being thankful. And I think as a business owner, it's so important to add that into, you know, your weekly, monthly practice to yes. reflect so that you can um, – always sit in gratitude because it is a privilege to run a business um, Mm -hmm. and to run a successful business because um, it's not easy and so many businesses fail and despite the hardships I mean the beauty of creating something that wouldn't otherwise exist or continuing something that otherwise wouldn't continue is is, is a huge privilege um, so I, I do often just have to stop and remind myself that when you get those points of feedback because I think sometimes it's so easy to overlook that when yeah. you are stressed out of your eyeballs with <laughs> to-do lists and you know bills and whatnot and then to go oh no you know what like this this is what I am supposed to be doing and I'm so thankful I get the opportunity um for those small moments they're everything they are everything 100% because the really unfortunate thing is sometimes those negative um instances can outweigh those 10 positive Mm. ones you've just had and they're just so much louder in your head And one thing that I really had to do a lot of work on is separating myself from my brand and going, this isn't personal. Like whenever somebody would, whenever something would happen to the brand, I would take it as such a personal thing. And yet the brand is still an extension of myself, but it's an extension of myself. So that is still, Mm. and that's still something I'm still struggling with to overcome and to make sure I'm getting that right every single time. But I'm not going to get it right every single time and that is also okay. Um, but, yeah, have you ever had, I mean, because you've been in business now for a while, the people who come around and say, oh, it can't be that hard to run a business or you don't, like, <laughs> running a pole studio isn't really a job. Have you had any of that? Oh, you know, I think I did at the start, yes. yes. I, I'm not so much lately because it's it, it certainly – grown beyond what I would think people saw as a hobby but in the first few years all the time and it would make me laugh because a lot of it even came from family that would give me business advice and you know it would almost be like oh that's cute that you're doing that and they would say oh you know you should do this and you should do this and I'd go well okay how's your business going (laughs) you know and (laughs) shut that down pretty quickly because 
I think everyone likes to think they know how to run a business um, and, and, and you can undermine me. Mm. Um, but I think that came a lot from me not having confidence in myself. And as the years progressed on and I saw the wins and I battled through the hard times and I kept choosing this life over and over, I just grew in my own confidence. Um, and I just held myself, I guess, um, differently around people. So um, I don't so much get those comments anymore. Now it's more like, um, do you think I could actually do it? Do you, Robert, wow. I couldn't do what you've done. And, 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 and I almost want to turn it around and go, whoa, okay, no, we need to look at this from a different point of view. And I, this is why I've just started telling my story to my students because it all starts somewhere, right? It yes. all starts somewhere. Um, but not so, not so much those sorts of comments anymore thankfully I think because I've been more open about the struggles of a business lately Mm. and so they see that it isn't all glitz and glam um that my students can see that there is a lot of hard work to it yeah Uh, what about you what's your experience been with that one yeah I've got a little bit of it and I was studying Mm. at the time that I brought the studio obviously being an MBA you've got this range of experience including up to executives so Mm. it definitely got some interesting I'm just gonna use the word (laughs) looks um there was another person in the executive MBA program who brought us pole dancing studio not long before I did so there was then two of us all of a sudden who had pole dancing studios in programs at the same time which is great because the uni actually helped connect us in a way and we're now great friends so that was really cool but doing subjects where you have to do you have to work on your own problem or your own business generally and getting up and presenting Mm. about pole dancing oh it Mm. was interesting I think I took a few of my lecturers by shock Um, but I think the uniqueness of what I was trying to achieve was also appreciated. However, I Mm. definitely got the feelings of less than in some of those experiences Mm. because of the business Mm. of which I chose to run away and run, I guess. And Mm. the other other thoughts I've had or the other comments is like, how's your little business going? Like, oh. It's not really a little business. Like, what's your definition of a little business? I would consider that a hobby. And those types of comments. However, I've definitely had the people who are like, oh, it can't be that hard. Or, you know, it's really Mm. not that much goes into it from like a financial financial investment or payments. Like, you just have to pay your wages, right? It's like, no, not quite. It's not not how that works. (laughs) That's it, right? Uh, it's just like you just pay your people. It's like and the 10,000 other things. However, um, yeah. I've learned to build a stronger backbone for those and learnt to back myself. You do, don't you? Yeah, you yeah. have to. You have to back. You I, have to. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it just comes back to having otherwise. that backing of yourself to be like, no, I'm a confident person who is doing this and I believe in the decision I've yeah. made because by you saying that, you make me second guess my own decision and I don't want you to right. make me second yeah. guess the decisions I'm making because this aligns for me. However, coming exactly. back to yeah. coming back to that um, thought before of that extension of my brand that I've just battled so long with, like trying to protect myself in a particular way, 
or my mm. identity in a particular way that mm. it's probably made me go against my own values to maintain mm. this particular look and now I'm at the point of like what are my values and what is it that I'm trying to achieve but I love how you said mm. you've started sharing this like the business struggles with your students how has that been received mm. oh my gosh Seth it's so well I'm so glad you brought this up because it's definitely a part of business ownership that people do not see mm. and something that I think is probably one of the biggest struggles is the identity struggle that you have when your business is essentially a reflection of you mm. it is um, your experiences your everything you love and are passionate about rolled into this you know this service that you're giving the world and then when that comes back negatively it is extremely hurtful and extremely painful and I think for the first few years I really struggled hard with this I had many moments of deep depression when students would post on Facebook um, or on Google reviews that they didn't like our program they didn't like our studio Mm -hmm. they didn't like the routine I wrote and it hits like a dagger to the heart and I for very long Um, would try to fix everyone's opinions and I spent many years trying to do what I thought my students, my community, my teachers wanted and then I realised that people pleasing (laughs) is a surefire way to failure and that's exactly what I was doing and that what I needed to do to be a successful business owner was to fully express who I was and that as soon as I was me 1 million percent unforgiving unapologetic that I would then give my students the permission to be 100 million percent them regardless of whatever feedback it is that they're getting and so probably a few years ago I felt like the business hit more of a stride because just as we're coming out of COVID because I realized that like we've been going in these circles where it's like okay our students want this our students want this what they want this but you know it's never consistent and Mm -hmm. okay I need to stop people pleasing I need to trust my instincts I need to realize that I don't need every single person to like my brand that's there's no need for that I just need to find my tribe and my tribe are gonna love what I'm putting on the table there's gonna be those people out there that go jazzy is my flavor like I love Mm. the way that she holds I love the way that she teaches I love what her studios look like and then there's going to be other people that go don't dig it it's not for me and they'll go to another studio or another mode of fitness or another community place and go this is my tribe and so when I realized that that itself was so freeing that I realized I just have to be me and put myself out there and know that there is going to be without a doubt people that don't like the pool room that don't like what we do um but that's good because it means that we have a sense of self we we know who we are um but that did take it did take a while and I still struggle with it to this day it's so hard step isn't oh my gosh it's so hard when you get a comment or an email and you're like oh like fine it just took me like five you know five days to write that class and you don't like it but fine but cool thank you for that thank you (laughs) I had to go through a point of writing who are my ideal customers like who is it that I'm trying to Mm. serve because Mm -hmm. we can't serve 
everybody and my personality is not going to match everybody I love pink my studio is Mm -hmm. full of pink not everybody loves the pink they actually have to ask me they're like Steph is pink really your favorite color I'm like well it's up there it wasn't really before I brought the studio but I do like it now I've just like leaned into it it's now just like my identity pink everything um but it it is okay not to match and it's about finding a relationship and but that's still really yeah. hard because you you want people to have this experience that you create or that you've had and then when they come in they're like oh mm. nah that that was the worst class yeah. I've ever taken you're like oh cool 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 I'm just gonna cry now cool so yeah <laughs> just I'll just be in the corner rocking uh because I'll I don't know what else to cry. Yeah. yeah and I think yeah. I just had you're very to... vulnerable as a business owner you are you're putting so very much of vulnerable. your personality out there and I really want to remain, mm. and I, I'm sure you're the same, you want to remain authentic and vulnerable, or not vulnerable, mm. um, authentic and genuine in all your interactions. Yeah. And you want them to come from a yeah. place that really aligns with you. And when they don't, you don't feel like you're being the best service that you can be, but sometimes you do need to have that, okay, who is that Steph that serves this and what is, how does she align to my studio, my, mm. my community, my tribe? But, yeah, mm. like tribes – are unique to you your studio your community and that's okay we don't need to cater to every single person and that's also okay but it's so hard to go it's so hard to do (laughs) it is hard it is hard and you know what it's it's actually bad business practice to try to serve everyone you should find your niche Mm -hmm. because the, the the more you niche the easier it is to talk to them you know the more specific you are about who you're trying to bring in and I think normally in 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 instances like this where we've gone in to follow our passions we're normally talking to a younger version of ourselves and when I realized that that I was trying to find those other girls that were you know in their early 20s that were maybe going through heartbreak we're going through body image issues that were going through confidence issues that hated the gym I was all those things yeah (laughs) when I realized that that's who I was talking to I was able to find them rather than having this lens of like I want to attract every woman that's between 18 and 40 years old in the southeastern suburbs of Melbourne um, and again that's something that you learn as you go through business the um, the power especially on social media of how important it is to niche because everything from you know the colors in your ads to the music of your ads um, to your Instagram look and feel has to match the the person um, that you were trying to attract that you want to serve so that when they scroll through and they have a look at your ad you speak to their heart you know they're like this is speaking to my soul it's oh like my I God. need I this am. yeah yeah and then you're gonna have people that go um next no no that's good because if they come to your business they're gonna end up leaving anyway because it's not for them yes. so you don't want them in your business so we found that the more we went on and we found it our niche more and more and more and we got really 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 specific and we create that customer avatar that person who we we could serve best we actually ended up getting rid of people that we couldn't serve and that saved us a lot of aches and pains you know where we would attract in people and we would go sure you know we don't really do that but we'll make it work Mm. um and then it just ended up in client dissatisfaction and myself not feeling aligned so I think good business is being able to learn not only who your customer is, but also who they're not yeah. um, and not trying to please 
everybody because it's just a recipe for heartache and um, it's never going to work out ever. (laughs) And mostly heartache for yourself. And then when you're in those positions, you just cannot serve to your community in the best way that you should be. You can't, exactly. You just don't have that capacity to do it when those things happen. Yeah, I can 100% relate with all that. And I'm sure all the studio owners who are potentially listening can relate and all the students who are listening can now understand um, what what really goes on behind the scenes of running a studio. And I know one of the reasons that I really wanted to talk about the behind the scenes is the expenses that are associated mm. with running a business. And I was talking to a friend of mine who's a studio owner recently and we are just talking about that awareness that generally speaking, whenever you start a business, you always start in a negative generally because you've got to outlay mm-hmm. that money to get started. So yeah. it is always – and then hopefully you're successful and when you're successful, you come back to even and then once you're back to even, that's obviously – when you can strive as a business and, you know, have a a healthy income where you can pay people and be able to give back to your community through renovations, those types of things, Um, which I find is a hard balance between being business and balancing Mm. my community because we're such a community-focused industry. And Mm. I know in COVID I got a bit of backlash because – I obviously we wanted to change our models and one of those things may um, one of the decisions of which I made was I'm going off on a side tangent before I come back to my original question just as an no, FYI. Yeah, I'm here for um, it. <laughs> I as a part of that I kept we have a members only Facebook group and I kept that members only as members mm-hmm. only so anybody who jo- joined us from an online capacity could join that um, and then I created a side one however I didn't announce the side one first because I'm like oh I need to just get this part sorted and the messages I got about not caring for my community and their mental health in that time I was just like oh I'm trying to do the best I can do in this really hard situation Mm. but I still have Mm. rent that I've got to pay and other Mm -hmm. elements of my business that I've got to continue to maintain during this really challenging time However, I feel like that's a really hard one, that balance between being a business and being community because I often find in those moments of dissatisfaction, it is something mm. that is thrown back to mm. studio owners or business owners to go, you say you're this but you're actually not because you uphold held your business value rather than your community value. And really those things should align and they generally do align. Um, However, that's Mm. just another little pain point that I found. Mm. And I obviously dive into that as we talk about what it actually takes to run a studio. And and when it comes to expenses, was there anything that you just didn't realise would be a part of running a studio, like a music licence, having to have a music licence to play music in your classes? (laughs) Yeah. Oh my goodness. So many things. And they still continue to pop up and surprise us. That's for sure. Um, So even things like work cover, uh, we have to pay work cover because we employ our, our um, instructors here. So that was a model that we chose to go down. So that was a big one. Even studio insurance, the cost of getting your rigging checked every year as well, because 
that's also important. Um, and then there was a lot of the hidden costs for us came in setup fees when we were setting up studios rather yeah. and, and upgrading studios um, that we didn't realise the cost of things. So, you know, upgrading a mirror because the mirror is not the size that we want and they come out and they measure the mirror and you're just like, um, excuse me, what? <laughs> it's just a mirror. Are we, yeah, are we talking about pure gold or a mirror? I'll just a mirror. Oh, don't okay, say that. Don't I want to replace my it. mirrors soon. I'm like, oh, I'm like, surely it can't be that expensive. It's going to be a nightmare. <laughs> and well, now I've I've learned what you know what the standard is, but until you go through it, you don't know. Yeah. You just don't know. So that was certainly an unexpected thing. Was just the cost of setting up and maintaining a studio in terms of the fixtures. So fixtures was it was a huge expense. So you know replacing flooring, um, redoing bathrooms, that sort of thing. Um, but for us, our biggest expenses have have always been staff. So our payroll, yeah. um, superannuation for us as well is huge. So that's our biggest one by far. And then rent, rent is huge. Um, especially we've got a CBD studio. So Melbourne CBD is oh, just wow. wild how much mm-hmm. you pay there. Look, we do get great, we do get great traffic flows. So it is worth it, but it's very expensive. Um, so those are by far our two biggest expenses. But um, further to that, events, we run a lot of events for our community. Yeah. And um, I don't think our students realise the, the cost of, you know, running something like a concert where we have to go to a, we recently did a, student studio showcase where all of our students performed at a theater oh wow the cost of bringing yeah it was so great but the cost of bringing you know riggers out and putting up a big scaffolding structure uh sorry what do you call it truss yeah truss set up um and photographers and videographers and then paying all your staff to be there for the whole day because they don't do it for free um that's those sorts of things are our biggest hidden expenses. And one thing that I've found really challenging as a business owner is that I find a lot of people are very quick to judge in their own minds um, how much profit they see you making because yes. they'll do the calculations and go, okay, you've got 11 poles that everyone in here is paying $35 minus your staff cost. Whoa, you guys are like rolling in it. Like that is crazy. Like how can you charge that much? Um, yeah. And I used to get so upset when I heard those comments, especially um, when they, you know, even come from staff members or um, you just hear them in passing and I would yeah. get so upset um, because I go, you have no idea but now I've learned to have you know a, a lot more compassion and go well of course they wouldn't know like how are they to know they haven't they're not on the other side but that is a huge challenge for me I found is um that perception of oh she charges so much and she must be making so much money um but they would have no idea I could I feel like I could sit here for a solid 30 seconds and just, you know, I've got a list of things of expenses. <laughs> I <laughs> know. I never think of acoustic engineers, like acoustic yeah. engineers because our CBD studio, you know, it the sound reverberates through the whole building. So we have to pay acoustic engineers oh to come out and measure the volume. Yeah. Yeah. Like wow. that is, they're 
so crazy expensive um but then yeah these like your, your facebook advertising as well mm. um fees of running your own website head office fees we've got to pay someone to do all the admin mm-hmm. but then as well all your payments you know you've got to pay a billing company as well they don't just happen on their own yes the um, merchant fees that come with every single payment that you take oh every time i see oh, it like absolutely. i'm like oh yeah this is what i'm getting this week i'm like oh yeah let's just minus a whole i don't even know what the percentage is but like a whole um, percentages and take I that I can't off. even keep on top of it anymore. Yeah, I just and like then you got tax. Yeah, and then you, you got to pay, pay tax. tax on top of that. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, like I just yeah. like I look at all of that and I'm like, oh, cool, yeah, cuz like initially naively as you start you're like this is how much I'm going to be making, this mm. is the thing and it's like, oh, that's not how much I'm getting in my hand. It's like this mm-hmm. disparity because of bloody merchant fees <laughs> and all the other things like the subscriptions mm-hmm. if you want to use a program that automatically yeah. um, schedules your Instagram post. I know we now have Facebook Creator, but previously you'd probably have to pay for something like that so you didn't have to be online all the time. The Correct. amount of subscriptions I have as a business. Oh, my gosh, me is, too. Your accounting software. Yeah. <laughs> you need to pay accounting software. You've got to pay for your accountant. You've got to pay for your booking system for your students. We've got to custom app. You know, those aren't yeah. cheap as well. Nope. So there are all these different. And then, and then half the time they don't work clean. either. But, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I'm having issues with my custom Yay. app at the moment. So I say that in a in a frustration of like it's not even oh, working properly. True, it does happen. It does. And, it's, yeah, and, and I can't even control yeah. it. It's just happening. No. I'm like, okay. No. But yeah, I and think so. You end up with this kind of big piece of, you know, big, big cake. I like to see it as, and by the time every slice has kind of been cut out, yeah, um, it, it's a much smaller slice that you you end up with. <laughs> yeah, even just registering your business name has a regular oh, cost yeah. associated with it. Mm-hmm. Um, that one yeah. came up because I was, I think I literally got the reminder lately, uh, recently. It would be my first one because I had a three year registration on it. And I'm like, oh, yep, have to nice. pay business registration. But yeah, I just, yes, you do. and like for mine, I have rent and then I pay the body corp and the rates on top of yeah. my rent as well. So right. there are like quite a few things. I think between the two of us, we probably definitely nailed a lot of them including equipment like we replaced 18 of our poles recently and it would have been the same when you come into a new um, studio like did the poles fit or did you have to get new poles when you we did replace a lot of them because some of them were um thicker poles and our students prefer thinner poles so we went in and replaced and again that's another huge expense so um we've got a few more that we'd like to replace but we'll do that in time mm. um so yeah that was that was a big expense is those poles but thankfully once they're in they they're good you know they're good mm. to go for a while so that's that's good but cleaning fees as well we we yes. our studios are quite large so we do have cleaners come through our studio managers um do some cleaning here and there but mm. you know you've got to factor in those sorts of costs as well just the running of the of your space oh air conditioning oh. air conditioning kills us especially in the summer how do you guys go with air cons? yep definitely and i have to get them serviced oh. every three months yeah like, and i can't miss yeah. it because if i miss it no. one of them will start leaking leaking we'll or break. blocked yeah. so um yeah thankfully like and everyone will complain <laughs> yeah exactly it's like oh that air boiling. con's not on and i'm like yeah shit I'm not an aircon specialist <laughs> although in saying that yeah. there's um a bunch of things I can now do from owning a studio like recently I had to replace um 
like the toilet seat, the thing that keeps the toilet seat to the toilet had broken. So oh, I had to, re- oh I had to replace that. And I've like just figured it out. And I'm like, okay, so I put these new peg things in. And um, yeah, the things I've learned <laughs> as a studio owner, pest, oh, contro- pest control oh. is another one. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, my fire extinguisher. I have to pay every yes, six months right. to get that done. Beat it. Yeah. yeah. And you technically, yeah. you've got to get your, your um, exit signs, like safety signs checked on a regular basis. That's right. Um, yes, we do that. Yeah. We've but, got a defibrillator in each of our studios as well, which has been a bit of an expense for us. Yeah, they're expensive up to. front. Yeah. They are. They're not regulated. In the fitness industry, it's a bit strange because we don't, I don't think we technically fall under Fitness Australia, but I know all the gyms and whatnot have to yes. have them. Yeah. So we were precautionate and got them, but they've oh, okay. been an expense as well. And they um they actually like expire. So yes. um, that's, yeah, that's a bit of an outlay. But even things like crash mats, when they get destroyed, crash mats, pole crash mats are not cheap. Yep. So those <laughs> need to be replaced often as well. Yes. They are a hidden expense. I didn't realise the cost of a crash mat for sure neither did I and then I'd already committed to new ones and I'm like oh shit yeah I'm like well this is all a part of the plan so because I when I took over the studio it hadn't really had a refresh done in quite some time so for me that was a priority it's like let's refresh the space let's make it feel good some of this equipment hasn't been replaced in a while like let's get all that new equipment I'm like at least if I can get it done then I can get it into a rotation long term and be like this is when we do yoga blocks and these things and um but yeah it's yeah it's a lot it's a lot more than I definitely expected I think coming in as a um and a person with a business background and a person who used to audit businesses Mm -hmm. like I was very well aware of tax and super and work cover because that used to be a part of my process when I'd go out and audit businesses but I didn't truly understand the way a payables works and like you know ins and outs and cash flow but having that experience and I mean I was in that department of the bank for nine years having that experience I'm like yeah like I know how businesses run yeah, no, I did not mm. really know how businesses run. <laughs> <laughs> I was so cocky. Yeah, you gained a little insight, but yeah. Yeah, until you actually stand in the shoes, it is very different. It is. It not. is. Yeah, it gives you a little insight, I feel, but I always have a little cheeky smile when someone, you know, makes a comment like they know what it's like to run a business but they haven't quite run one. I'm like, oh, that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> that's cute that that's you really think. fun. <laughs> Excellent. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. I Now I agree, but I definitely yeah, think to start off with fun. it was that naivety, like naivety, is that a word? I was very naive to start on yeah. what to expect, but definitely roll <laughs> with the punches and still with all of that, yes, absolutely love what I do. And if there were people who were listening who were thinking about it, I would be like, yes, like do it. And I'd be more than happy Mm. to help people navigate that. And I'm sure obviously you're doing this experience with your students as well. Like it's, it is so rewarding when you can get to the other end. It's still goddamn hard work, but you're doing it for you and you're doing it for your community and your team. Like I actually really enjoy paying wages. 
I, regardless of how big my wage bill is, I really get excited that I can contribute to somebody's life through giving them opportunities and being able right. to pay wages to them. Like mm. that is something. And as an employee, I was right. never like, yeah, thank you. Like you're the best for paying me wages. But now I get really excited mm-hmm. that I am in that position that I can contribute in this way. Mm-hmm. And Right. It is this mindset shift, isn't it? Yeah. yeah to think that way. Because I used to feel um, – to be honest, I used to feel quite resentful, especially in the early days when very often my staff's pay slips would be higher than my own because, um, you know, you have to pay them for the hours worked, but, you know, not for you. You need to make sure your bills are paid first. So my my pay, I would be running pays and going, oh, for crying out loud, this is so unfair. Yeah. Um, You get to sleep well at night and I'm stressed at 3 a.m. Yeah. What the heck? Why why is my pay got like four zeros on the end? But when you shift into that mindset, we're like, no, actually, it is a freaking honor and a privilege to be able to have something that supports this many people, that gives this this employee an opportunity to, to, to live, to pay their bills to do something they love like how cool is that that I get to do that so I yeah why at the start I used to look at my payrolls and go that is ridiculous and then I had a bit of a mindset shift and I just went no but the more I'm paying my staff the more classes that they're teaching the more students I'm serving like yay for big payroll bring it on I want bigger payroll because I'm having bigger impact then so now I love seeing big payroll but yeah at the start I was like holy crap <laughs> how am I gonna do this like am I gonna have enough money next week to do this again yeah <laughs> yeah literally some weeks in the early days I would literally have to like scrounge through my accounts and like make sure I paid my staff because that was the most important thing to me like I can delay all my other bills but I have to pay my staff yeah. um you know they, they expect money at this time a lot of them have children they need their money so I would make sure I always paid them but um yeah there were weeks that certainly you go I don't I can pay my mm. payroll because that that is it, it's a huge expense as a business owner um, and a liability that you know you really it's it's a non-negotiable you have yeah. to make it work and you do you do yeah. make it work but 100%. it's always in the back of your mind especially when you're starting off and you were starting from scratch as well I think being fortunate mm. enough that I came in to an already well-established whole business made it that little Mm -hmm. bit easier to get started um Mm -hmm. and those things be that little less stressful but I've still definitely had those times especially during COVID but you know I still had those times I'm like oh cool my bass is due and it's higher than I expected and my wages are also due and uh (laughs) yeah that's a lot there goes my savings or there goes this or you do you make it work and I know when I was going through that process of talking about instructor pays I'd spoken to a few Mm. studio owners who were talking about their experiences and they're like I always make sure my instructors are paid even if it means I'm not paying myself and we do as businesses you don't walk in and go oh guys so I didn't pay myself this week you should be great like just so you know yeah you should be grateful you should be grateful I didn't pay myself this week but I paid you like you don't do that's a part of the job and that's a part of what we take on and that's a part of the risk of being a business owner and yeah. but with that risk, you obviously what you put in can potentially 
once you get your systems going and your processes going and like you said you can serve more people then hopefully you can have those rewards that come a little bit later down the track however yeah it can be a um it can be a struggle for sure (laughs) yeah you've got to have that big picture in your mind that's for sure you have to know that you almost have to create those foundations and lay those foundations really strong so that as the years roll by, you can you can rely on this thing that you've built. Mm. And yeah, as as the years go on, I've found that it's 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 so worth it. That's all I can say is that mm. once you've built up your business to a point where you now have this freedom to decide how much you want to work, you know, yeah. and when you want to teach and when you want to be at home. And I think that that is one of the greatest joys in life is to truly, truly be the master of your own destiny. Mm-hmm. Um, that has always been my goal and it's it's wonderful. It's wonderful to be in that position. So it's well worth the many, many pay cuts. I don't think I paid myself a wage, a proper wage, like anything above minimum wage for probably two years. Yeah, I would say wow. two years is what it took. Um, so I lived at home still at the start for the first six months and then Andy and I were extremely frugal um, because we just wanted to reinvest, reinvest, Mm. reinvest because you have to build that strong, strong foundation through your website, through your SEO, having a strong brand and investing in your staff is what I learned Mm. as well because essentially like they are the ones that your students love and that your students come back for and valuing them um i think is so important and something i always try to do but it's 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 very hard at the start when you you're putting in all these extra hours and working long nights just to be uh showing in your bank account and i think Mm. that i can have a lot of empathy um for any other business owner who have gone through those and then decided that business wasn't for them like i totally get it you almost you do have to be prepared to be in the negatives quite some time and have that financial plan. Um, so I think it's really great to work with you know either an accountant who has a history of working with small business or working with a coach yes. so that they um, can push you through to to get through those really hard times and remind you of your vision and your why and your values um, and the bigger picture. You know. If I didn't, there were so many times that I wanted to give up on it. Oh, my gosh. I don't know, like so many times. I think it's a monthly occurrence, to be honest. <laughs> I know. I'm pretty sure I had but... one of those moments like two weeks ago. And I'm like, yeah, look, I'm done. Like, what What can I do next? Yeah, What's yeah, my yeah. next job oh, title? Literally. Literally. Who wants to buy my studio? Yeah. Come on, take them, take them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then it's, it quickly does pass, I find, because it I does. start, I do the crazy thing of like, I'm going to search for something else or I'm going to look for a job. Um, and then as soon as I start doing that, I'm like, nah, nah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I just remind myself oh, of like those working environments that I just did not love in those yes. times. So I'm like, you don't want to end up back there. So yeah, it's, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. it's, it could be a lot worse. That's it for sure. could be. And I just much prefer to be doing this. Hey, and I've definitely going from Absolutely. a really good job to buying a studio was definitely a shock to my system. Um, and thank God for the support of my husband during this time. Cause yeah, it was really hard mentally to make that transition mm. for me, um, being somebody mm. who was able to be in good jobs where I was paid really well to becoming a studio owner 
and having to, I feel, having to rely on my husband to help keep me just like being able to live my lifestyle while I try to get this business off the ground and having more responsibility in my decision making and in the way of which I spend money. Um, so yeah, that is a transition and a half for sure. Definitely. And what a blessing to have that opportunity. Go husband. Yay. Yay. <laughs> I'm like, one day I'll be your sugar mama and you can just like <laughs> you can just live your best life. And he's like, nah, I'm gonna be your sugar daddy. I'm like, I'll take either. Like both are okay with yeah, me. Yeah. You've got well, to I'm hype each no. other up, right? Like if you're not hyping each you other up, then what what is like the point? And because there are definitely some hard times and while we're not directly in business together, like he is my business partner regardless because he is that person Ooh. who is there for me when things are good and he's that person who's there for me when things are bad and helping me through those Ooh. through those situations and I'm sure you obviously have a very similar situation with Andy where you guys are together in this obviously both being in the business together so yeah go go and the I agree with you like you need that cheerleader yeah yeah we're a bit crazy aren't we when you you know you're involved in business with your with your life partner but um yes you know, it, it can also be a really great joy as well and it's a balance that's worked for us really well so I know it doesn't work for everybody yeah. but for us it has worked and I think it's because we're just in completely separate lanes like Andy couldn't even if he wanted to take over the pole curriculum although it would be hilarious and I would love to see him do it I'm sure our students would as well just says it would be hilarious if I tried to financially manage the pole room like it would be a very quick descent <laughs> over the business yeah, so like, we, we need uh, all new everything right like we, we'll just get oh, this 100% this that's how I, I am to have like literally like I'll hear the students go you know can we please get this for the studio can we get swing poles and I'll go yes let's order 50 of them <laughs> um, We've got without a second thought <laughs> yeah why not let's do it whereas Andy will go hey babe like we have all these expenses coming up and we should really think about this and I'll go nah nah it's fine it's fine just do it make them happy <laughs> oh that sounds like Ross and I, 100%. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm like, anything can happen. Like, I can make anything work. Just just give me a little bit and I'll, I'll take it and I'll run and I'll do the best thing ever. And he's just like, have you thought about this? And I'm like, hmm, I'll still make it work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Emotional. I think a lot of entrepreneurs are because you are um, more inclined to follow, you know, what your – Passion, passion is because you're led by emotion, yeah. um, whereas Andy is very much led by um, his brain. So he's very uh, logical um, yeah. and he will ruminate on something and cross-check and ask for advice, whereas I will go, it feels good, let's go. Yes. Like right now, I want to do it now, now, now. I don't want to wait. I feel good now. And um, that has been really great for me in some senses in business. And it's also been really bad for me because we have had big mistakes. We've had big yeah. financial errors, you know, where I've what, actually one of the studios, we actually purchased four studios, but one yeah. of them we, 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 we passed in after about six months. Um, wow. So that was a huge learning because it, was not financially viable for us and we sunk a lot of money into it so yeah. um there's there's been a lot of those sorts of learnings as well but yeah I'm very I'm a very emotional person and I'd rather just figure it out on the fly yeah I think I think you need I think you need both to make uh, a business work so if you don't have that sounding um voice in your own head get it from somebody yes. else 
I know. I feel like I just try and surround myself with people like that because I'm that emotional yeah. one who gets really excited and can see the finish yeah. line really clearly. Uh, the steps in between yeah. can't quite see very well, but I've got a fairly no, good idea. You know where you're going. <laughs> but I know where I'm going. I'm like, I can do this. Let's go. And they're like, ooh, this is not the best of ideas. And yeah, you do. You <laughs> learn a lot. And I feel that it is just about failing to learn. Like mm. it's failing yourself to yeah, success. Yeah, yeah. And that's all the, that's what, yeah. um, what is it? A rocket ship does is it fails itself to the moon. It just makes correction after correction after correction. <sighs> And to it lands in the place that, that it's meant to be. And I think that is what being a business owner is about, is making correction after correction and learning that failing's okay as long as you fail fast and you can yeah. learn from that and you can move on. Yeah, so, yes. it's inevitable. You're going to fail and, yes, failing fast. That's a really important one. And actually celebrating failure so you change your yes. relationship with it and being able to not go, yay, I messed up, but yay, I'll never make that mistake again. Yeah. Like how fantastic that I don't have to worry about doing that again. Let's move on. I just grew and I'm better. Let's go. <sighs> and I think that that is one million percent what will separate those that continue in business versus those that don't is that willingness um to fail and the the compassion for self like you yeah. how could you know it all how could you get everything right like you're going to fail and you will keep failing mm. but um you, you have to fail quickly and me and Andy we often even give ourselves a time frame to mourn it sounds crazy but it works for us yeah when something bad has happened it's like okay cool how long do you need I just need a day I need two days I need the weekend to mm. get over it you know to get over that negative review or to get over that staff member leaving I just need some time but then we pick ourselves up and we go um, yeah. and you do build resilience because you realize that um, life returns and you will be stronger and better and you will still love what you do even though that whatever it was that happened was heartbreaking and awful and you lost motivation you just need to allow yourself time to feel all the emotions um, not push them down or ignore them feel them acknowledge them but then get out of that headspace and keep going Mm, and I want to add to that in those moments of uncomfortableness it's those are the moments I know I'm growing so it's okay I really don't want to do this but I need to do this because I I know that it's a moment for learning and whatever Mm. happens whether it's good or bad I'm going to learn something from this and I quite vividly remember probably two times of owning the studio and just bawling my eyes out with Mm. Ross and he's like what is going on I'm like I know I'm growing I can feel the growth you can feel it yeah like I hate it Ross I'm like I think that was the first step (laughs) I put in this one like I I really hate this feeling right now I know I need Mm. to work through this and I know I'm gonna have to stay in this feeling for whatever period depending if it's got you know other things involved and, but I don't like it, but I know that mm. I'm going to grow from this. And, you know, sometimes they go for a day and I've had mm-hmm. one that's gone for like a month or two and all of a sudden I've gone, oh, I'm out of it. Like I'm on the other side of that really yeah. challenging, you know, six to eight weeks of growth that right. I just went through. But it is, I guess it's that awareness, isn't it? So it's being yeah. able to understand how your body is feeling and giving it, it the time it needs to heal or or to work through it emotionally like that's okay too 
It is. And you do get better at weathering the storms um, mm. the more you go through. Um, you, you learn each time and you can kind of brace for them better. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. It's, I love it. You're not as fearful for them anymore. But at the start, when you start your own business and you go through those hard times and you don't think it's going to be better or it's very hard to see the other side. And the more you go through them, uh, the better it is. That's for sure. 100%. I love that. Um, so we've talked a lot about this. We have. Oh, my God. I've loved it. It was so good. I'm like, I feel like this conversation could go on for a very, very long time. It really could. Um, <laughs> but be respectful of our time uh, because we are, you know, and this is a little bit of a pain point too. We are busy studio owners. However, I also want to say I hate when people are like, I know you're so busy. I'm like, just ask me the question <laughs> or like <just laughs> send me the message when you think about it. Like I'm busy, but I know what my priorities are and I can, and yeah. when I'm in a mind frame, I can give you that time when I'm ready for it, just send it through. It's okay. Or just give me a call. It's okay. Anyway, is there anything you would like to finish off with today before we wrap up this episode? I would actually love to finish by saying a huge thank you to you because I am a fan of your podcast and I just think the more awareness we can bring around the incredibleness that is whole, the better. And I just think it's such a wonderful platform for all people that are within the poll community to connect, to talk about these issues that a lot of us think about but maybe don't discuss or don't ask um so thank you so much to yourself and if anyone is listening out there that is been thinking about opening a poll studio um i i would love to invite you to reach out to me i would love to connect with you sometimes we just need that person that's been there before to give a little bit of insight because um there'll be certain things that you'll feel like you don't know how to get there. Like, how do I sign my first lease? How do I come up with my logo? That for someone who's walked the path before, it's a conversation or, you know, it's a few words of advice that can make all the difference. So you can find me on Instagram, jazzies.tribe, or you can find me on Facebook, uh, Jazz and Zapka. Reach out. I would love to connect with you. Uh, I would love to hear your story and hopefully get you on the journey to opening up your own studio. Do it. Do it. Do yes. the thing. 100%. I, I back this this um, ending <laughs> mic drop moment 10,000%. And thank you so much for joining me today. I have really enjoyed this conversation and thank you for the recognition of the platform and the podcast. You were I was tearing up a little bit. So thank you Aww. for that. I appreciate oh, I it. I love your podcast. Thank you. And for those who are listening, if you love this episode, feel free to screenshot it, share it on your Instagram stories and tell us what you love. Tag both myself and Jazzy. We would love to hear from you. And of course, we're both here if anybody wants to talk about their studio journey. But yeah, hit us up. Until next time, we will see you soon.